This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we continue on tap nine month by bringing in our Flash experts, Dan Isaacs and Skip Shapiro, to discuss the new Flash improvements. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Brooklyn Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech Contact Podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. In the studio today with me is... Andrew Sullivan. It is Andrew. And look, and he picked up right after I said it. On the phone with us is Glenn Sizemore. Hi, Glenn. How are we doing, boys? Doing super. All right, so this week, uh, part of ONTAP 9 month, is uh, us bringing in the Flash guys that we have here at NetApp, the Flash experts, to talk about the new Flash improvements. So... Let's start off with the other guy on the phone, Skip Shapiro. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and if you have like a Twitter handle or whatever. If you don't, that's fine, but tell us a little bit. Uh, sure thing, Justin. So I am the ONTAP, well, I guess no longer just the ONTAP Flash guy, because I'm actually on the, the uh, system side of things now. So I'm responsible um, for uh, all Flash FAS, Flash Pool, and Flash Cache. And I've been at NetApp for 16 and a half years, and I guess that makes me one of the longtime veterans. That's right. You you are definitely not a rookie. I think you're the longest tenured out of all of us. I think if you combined all our years, you would probably still be ahead. (laughs) Now you're making me feel old. Oh, no, that was not the intent. But the effect worked out, I guess. (laughs) All right. Also with us today, another Flash expert, in the studio, no stranger to the podcast, Dan Isaacs. Hello and and welcome. That's terrible. Where did you <laughs> where did you learn that opening? Awful, awful opening. Uh, anyway, he's being Dan, super polite today. Yeah, yeah. Skip, did you say if you had a Twitter? No Twitter. I, I don't have a Twitter handle. I can tell you, you know that that's a reflection of my my age. I'm I'm not fully social media conditioned. Can Can you program your VCR? <laughs> No, because I don't have one anymore. How about Snapchat, Tumblr, <laughs> any of these? Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> don't tell my wife. <laughs> uh, no, I don't do any of that. You know, it's Facebook. Uh, I reluctantly do Facebook, and that's about it. Do, are you? Is your Facebook like pictures that you've actually pasted on your wall, like at your house? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, a few. Pictures of my my sailboat when I'm racing and and uh, actually the Facebook is mostly for keeping track of the kids and what they're up to. Does anybody Since do? They don't they don't return texts. They don't return emails. They don't return phone calls. You have to follow them on on Facebook and other media. Does Does anybody do Facebook by choice anymore? Has it Has it jumped the shark? Mm, not yet. Getting close. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it it did destroy Google Plus. So there's that. That implies that Google Plus ever got anywhere to begin with. Yeah, I guess. Well, it, it kind of crushed its soul before it ever started. There's some like article I read that Zuckerberg was like gunning for Google Plus as soon as it came out, like wanted to crush it. Which, woohoo, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. We actually need to circle back to you. So I sure. know Dan has a Twitter. 
I'm glad to be back on the podcast. I'm I'm the All Flash Fest TME. I partner with with Skip, who is uh, now officially joined my team. So I'm I'm now the new kid on the block, as it were, because I've only been here for 12 years. Uh, you can uh, reach me on the Twitter at, at Dan Isaacs, and uh, you might be able to join one of my Google Plus circles. Also, <laughs> Dan Isaacs. That's pretty cool. I I think you have three people in your circle now. Uh, there are four. In four the, in the work circle. Oh, four in the work circle. I have a Google Plus too. I haven't logged into it, and in, I, I don't know how long. Not that it matters. Moving on from that to more important things like Flash. We have some groovy new ONTAP 9 uh, performance enhancements for Flash, as well as some Flash specific features. I used groovy for Skip Shapiro's sake. Um, <laughs> Thanks. That feels me. I feel right at home. Just wanted to get on your level, Skip. <laughs> is it sad? The first thing I thought of is the Java derivative, Groovy. That is sad. It's better than thinking, oh, Austin Powers. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, Skip, what do you want to yeah, talk about first? I'll, I'll start. Yeah. So actually, um, just a little recent history lesson. So since ONTAP uh, 8.3. A lot of the focus in enhancements uh, within ONTAP have been around improving flash performance, storage efficiency, and around that also simplicity. So those are th you know, three main themes for making our all-flash FAS systems um, more desirable uh, to customers and more competitive out there in the marketplace. So ONTAP 9 just continues uh, the theme with that. So we have uh, better performance, uh, particularly for, for SAN workloads and um, database workloads, um, as evidenced by some uh, technical reports you'll soon see coming out of uh, workload engineering that show uh, higher IOPS at lower latencies, and we're talking about latencies that are sub one millisecond on the order of 600 and 800 microsecond uh, range, uh, considerable improvement in uh, IOPS throughput at those low latencies. Um, uh, in addition, uh, more consistent performance as well. Things like uh, large-scale snapshot deletions don't perturb uh, latency performance of uh, front-end applications to the degree that they have in previous releases. That's really quite an improvement. Um, and, and actually, the baseline variation in, in latency, uh, even when you're not doing snapshot deletions, is a lot tighter than we've ever seen before. As well, so all of that delivers more consistent performance uh, to customers, and therefore admins are less likely to get calls from their application owners about you know what's wrong with my application. Um, they might get those calls, but it's far less likely it's going to be um, uh, an AFF system that's the result causing those problems. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool there. So that's that's the performance end of things. Um, Storage efficiency, and we, we'll go into more, I think, talk on this just to, just to introduce it. Um, there are uh, some enhancements to inline uh, deduplication. Uh, we're now able to dedupe more data inline. It's still only a fraction of dedupable data for most um, workloads, probably, but uh, it does help with provisioning and patching uh, VMs for VDI. It helps a lot uh, in those circumstances. And then <clears throat> ONTAP 9 brings an enhancement to our compression capability. So in 8.3.1, we introduced inline adaptive compression that compresses uh, 8K IOs 
or multiples of 8K IOs uh, that are compressible into 4K uh, physical blocks on storage. With the addition of inline data compaction, if that data is uh, very compressible, we can put multiple uh, 8K IOs in a single 4K block. And um, in addition, inline data compaction helps if you've got a data set that consists of a lot of small files. For example, 1K files, we can put you know, three of those in a 4K block. So that can deliver huge uh, space savings uh, for our customers. So, so Dan, um, you're the math guy. Yeah. Um, I recall seeing some numbers around increased IOPS percentages-wise, as well as uh, sub-millisecond latencies. Do you recall those numbers? Well, yeah, there's, it's a nice number, but it's not a number that anybody in a, in a real application environment is going to see because very few people are going to be running their systems at you know, their full performance capacity. What is much more impressive with ONTAP 9 are you know, what, is, what does the performance look like at roughly 50% of, of CPU utilization, which is where most customers are running their systems. And you know, at that point, you're seeing... Uh, just under 200,000 IOPS at uh, just under 600 microseconds of latency for a, for an OLTP workload. So that's that's a pretty decent uh, uh, improvement over you know the 8.3.0 type release days. So I remember when we were talking about those releases, right? We were specifically talking about things like removing uh, certain things from the read path, right? And and optimization is the word that we use, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, that just means we're removing unnecessary parts. So has that continued? Are there what, what are the things that are changing in ONTAP 9? The impressive latency reductions are specific to SAN workloads. And a lot of that work was done in the within the protocol stack within ONTAP. Uh, I don't want to get too technical because this actually gets more technical than I get. Um, but... And Skip, you may know a little more about it, but uh, it, you know there were a number of con a lot of context switching within ONTAP that uh, that was streamlined. Uh, a lot of uh, processing of of the fiber channel uh, protocol stuff was significantly improved. There are still uh, significant improvements to be made in subsequent releases of ONTAP, uh, continuing along this same same line of of improvements. Um, but we we got as much into this this release as we could. Yeah, and if you want an example of the improvements, so for SQL Server 2014, uh, running a TCPC um, workload, we saw I think a 60% increase in IOPS at about 800 microseconds between 8.3.1 and ONTAP 9. So that's that's pretty huge. So for those who can visualize a uh, curve that's uh, IOPS versus latency, IOPS on the x-axis, latency on the y-axis, we took the curve and pushed it down, so lower latency, and pushed it out to the right so that more more IOPS as well. And that's a, that's a pretty big uh, improvement in one release, essentially. I mean, 832 had, had some minor things um, in it, but uh, the, the big, big change from 831 to, to ONTAP 9 in, in that regard. And it's, um, you know, to what Dan was saying, it's, it's data path reductions, reducing the context switches so that uh, um, basically processing can, can happen continuously uh, in a core without being interrupted and having to switch to do something else or wait for something else is where we're getting all these latency reductions. Um, and, and looking for everywhere throughout the stack, within storage code, uh, 
uh, rate in waffle code, which to a large extent we, on reads we can bypass now, except when there are error correction needs to be done, and uh, more recently up in the networking stack, so in the, in the fiber channel uh, protocol um, stack, pulling uh, context switches out of that is, is where we've gotten this improvement. Yeah, there, there's a bit of a saying that I've seen in the software development community before that's, uh, you know, the fastest code is the code that doesn't have to execute. So going through that process and identifying the things that, you know, fundamentally change going from spinning disk to flash media that just aren't necessary or before didn't necessarily need to be optimized because we knew we had six to eight to 10 milliseconds of rotational latency um, is, is critical. Yeah, that you're spot on on there, right? It, it wasn't... It wasn't worth the effort compared to other activities when we're talking about hard drives, but now that you're talking about uh, SSDs, um, it, it's it's significant, and that's why the focus has been there. And if you look, compare back to 8.2.x days and what kind of performance we could get out of SSDs in an, um, an 8,000 controller to what we can get today, it's, it's night and day. So all this uh, Flash optimization and just the fact that NetApp has been taking Flash seriously, and by the way, you don't apparently you don't have to design Flash from the ground up to be good at it, right? No, that is a fallacy. You have to have the right um, operating system, but if you've got the right operating system to begin with, you don't have to start all over again, and that's what we've proven with ONTAP. So fortunately, ONTAP is that operating system, fortunately, by some sheer grace of luck. Intelligent design. That said, I mean, it's positioned us pretty well in the flash market. So I guess there were some numbers that came out recently from IDC. That's right. So we are now considered by IDC to be number two in the all-flash array uh, market with, I think, close to 23% market share for the first quarter of uh, calendar 2016. So and that factors in Solid Fire as well as E-Series in addition to all-flash FAS. Correct. It's it's all three products in our all flash uh, array portfolio. Um, the one that's delivering the most revenue right now um, is AFF, and we think that will continue uh, for a while. You know, certainly SolidFire. There's a lot of excitement around SolidFire. It's a lot of things it can do that um, we can't that uh, on tap and AFF uh, can't do uh, at this point. But it's still um, starting from a relatively small install base. That's pretty excellent news. So it just kind of, I guess, verifies that we are indeed taking Flash seriously as we should be. Um, so going back to what you mentioned earlier about, uh, I guess, efficiencies and data compaction, let's touch on that a little more. So you mentioned that you know small workloads and writes being less than 4K. Um, Dan, what applications does that specifically apply to in most cases? Well, I think the, the biggest use case in terms of uh, applications that are most commonly deployed on Flash uh, you know, over the last few years, uh, very compressible databases as well as uh, VDI. More than half the IOs associated with VDI are smaller than 4K um, for steady state operations at least. Uh, so you know, we're, we're seeing you know, significant savings uh, in those two in those two areas, uh, the tech reports that uh, Skip alluded to earlier will you know go into much greater detail about the uh, savings that we're seeing in, uh, with respect to databases uh, and virtual desktops. Um, a lot of databases have a lot of white space in them. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of our technical directors, and from his perspective, he thinks um, 
Medi database administrators keep a lot of free space in the in the database so they can accommodate, um, I guess, unforeseen increases in um, in the amount of data, you know, so they don't run out of space all of a sudden. So, um, you know, we're compressing a lot of a lot of that uh, empty space. Um, and then uh, it can also be there's a lot of IOs that are not fully a 8K, right? Uh, the database records are relatively small. Um, even though you may have multiple database records in an 8K IO, um, still a, the uh, possibility of uh, compressing that. And if you can compress it enough, we can also compact it uh, as well. Um, one thing I'd like to relate um, is that uh, we've been doing performance improvements and storage uh, efficiency improvements together. And even though we've been adding inline um, storage efficiency capabilities, inline adaptive compression in 8.3.1, inline deduplication in 8.3.2, enhanced now in ONTAP 9, and inline data compaction, we're still giving performance improvements. So despite the fact that the controller has more work to do from a storage efficiency standpoint, we're still improving performance on top of that. So that's, uh, that shouldn't go un unnoticed. Yeah, that's really important, Skip. Um, any any of the performance numbers you see in any of the TRs or that you see in any of the anything we let marketing say, um, those are all going to be with all of the storage efficiency techniques working. So e even those uh, those sand workloads with the you know sub six hundred microsecond latencies, that's with inline compaction or inline compression, inline uh, data compaction, and and also dedupe uh, running. DDoop wasn't doing a whole lot, but uh, but it was running. So, you know, all of the performance numbers are are including the storage efficiency savings. We're not uh, turning things off in order to get better numbers. And or those like are that. on by default too, right? I mean, a lot yeah. of those they're on by default, and really, there's no need to to worry about performance and think about whether you should turn them off, whether you should um, uh, disable any of them. Intent with AFF is leave them on. The, the performance is great with them on, and they're efficient. The inline adaptive compression is very efficient at detecting whether the data is compressible or not. And if it's not, it doesn't waste CPU cycles um, on trying to compress the data. Um, inline compaction is um, is done in a in a similar fashion, and it's it's linked with the compression. So if the data isn't compressible. Um, you know, uh, 8K data comes in, it's not compressible, compaction ignores it. So it doesn't have to invest any, any effort uh, at all. Inline dedupe is also very efficient, uh, but um, as we've expanded now inline dedupe with ONTAP 9 to look at data that's been recently written to the SSDs, that can add some additional uh, latency uh, to the system if it were very, if the controller were very busy. So that's been um, designed to back off on the inline dedupe if latency starts to be affected so that it won't be affected. So we've made that inline dedupe a dynamic process. Um, if you're operating in the normal zone of the controller um, within the optimal zone so that you're getting the kind of latencies you want, um, you should be able to do inline dedupe without uh, an issue. It's only if the somehow the workload spikes and you're, you're really overstressing the the controller already that uh, inline dedupe will, will back off so that you, you have less impact uh, to your already Im impacted controller at that point. So Skip, before we go too far down the road of, of deduplication improvements and ONTAP 9, 
Is compaction purely a storage efficiency feature, or does it also have performance impact? Well, uh, I guess I don't have any data yet to say whether um, you know how much performance improvement it would get by virtue of um, compaction. You're sort of trading off one uh, type of work for another type of work. So as compaction works, it's the last in the process of storage inline storage efficiency. So we do inline zero uh, detection and elimination first, or inline zero dedupe, if you will. Uh, then we do inline. Uh, adaptive compression. Third thing we do is inline dedupe. And then the last thing as part of the CP write process is when compaction occurs. So if we can compact the data, we're writing less to the SSD. So there's less work than uh, to be done there. On the flip side, we're doing a little bit more work uh, to complete compaction. Uh, but we can't do too much because it has to happen in the time frame of a CP. Uh, and effectively, what we're doing is we're taking these small IOs that are part of the CP write and seeing how many we can collect together into one 4K uh, block that's being written on on uh, SSD uh, at a time. So we don't want to spend too much time trying to assemble that data. Think of it kind of as packing your, your suitcase. You've got only so much time to do it. And you do as good a job as you can in the time given and then flush the data. So, so that... So that's basically a trade-off. So we're not expecting any any big uh, performance improvement as a result. Now, yeah, if you one a, thing to well, to, one thing to keep in mind is those CPs, the the actual writes to the SSDs, are not in the application's write path. So, you know, because everything is getting logged to NVRAM while it's still in memory, and you know the acknowledgement is sent back before we actually write it to the SSD. So the SSDs were never in the right path of the application or from the host perspective. So what we're really saving, we're making this, this helps make the CPs, the actual uh, writing to the destaging of cache to the SSDs, we're improving the efficiency of, of that process, but it's, it's not likely to manifest uh, as performance improvements to the host unless we're you know, getting to like back-to-back -back CPs if we're yeah. running the yeah, system. spot well, on on the writes and on the reads, it would be hard to tell. The real benefit, if there is one, would be um, <clears throat> a little less CPU consumption over overall, but that's hard to detect. So would we expect, for example, on a, a very busy system, a, a, busy, a system doing a lot of writes, that there would be a reduction in the number of writes going out to disk, i.e. faster CPs potentially? Potentially, yes. If, if the data set was compressible enough or deduplicable enough or at its origin was small enough to compact, yes, it would be fewer blocks on the file system than we had to write out. Yeah, and I don't know how much of the CP time is the actual, particularly when dealing with SSDs, is writing to the media versus all the work that's being done to, to prepare the, the data to go, to go down to the media. So. I'd imagine it'd be really hard to quantify, um, but but there's got to be a read benefit on the back end just because we're we're getting more physical data in a 4K block. So when that 4K block is cached, we're caching all of the data contained inside that block. Well, so we're still reading the IOs. So it's different than compression. If you have three compacted blocks in a 4K block and we're reading just one of those IOs, we're not reading the other two. We're just reading the one we need. So you're not getting a benefit there. There might oh, be a benefit. Okay. If, if you had a large, think of a, a data set with lots of small files, and if you were going to be reading 
lots of those files all at once, there might be a benefit by the fact that I, you know, I can do one read and I'm reading the three IOs all from the same place in, in, on the media versus from different places on the media. But I think, again, that would be hard to detect. We're not so, characterizing inline data compaction as a performance enhancer. Is there, but, uh, okay, so, so actually you've, you've helped us really uh, understand what's going on here. This is purely just a space efficiency play. Um, and, and it sounds like on, on the other side of it, it costs us a little bit of CPU, but, but that CPU is negligible because we would have spent that in the CP anyways, doing it the old way. Uh, yeah, we're basically saving some CPU for one process and, and using it in another process. It's kind of a, um, a, uh, an equal trade-off at, at that point. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Anytime we can, we can deliver more storage efficiency um, in line and not consume uh, additional net resources to do that, that's, that's a win-win. So that's, that's really awesome. And I think it's great news that all of this is enabled by default in ONTAP 9, right? If you create a volume, compaction is on. There is no turn it on, or turn it on after the fact or anything like that. That's correct. And this is part of the simplicity aspect of uh, that we've been focused on with AFF. We want to, where customers, don't force customers to make decisions when they don't have to. You know, design the system to do, to operate properly on its own, um, and uh, and then, you know, the, it makes it a lot easier for the customer. They just, it just does what it's supposed to do. So I want to jump back to, to where we started to go before I, I, I uh, realigned the car, right? Pulled us out of one ditch and put us into another, whatever metaphor we want to use. just compacted us. Yeah, so you were talking about inline deduplication, and specifically you mentioned that it now will use blocks that have been recently written to SSDs. So can you explain to us how it used to work and what this change means? Yeah, let me do that. So in 8.3.2, inline dedupe would look for, as blocks were coming in, it would compare the blocks to blocks that were had been very recently written and were still existed in um, memory buffers in the controller. So it was a, a pretty small set of overall of, uh, of data it would compare against. Uh, and that was done, you know, initial release, that's what we could do. And it was, it's the least impactful to performance because we, we don't have to go out to any, any media. There's no delay. Um, and we continue doing testing and on tap nine, we've, we've increased the scope of blocks that can be compared, uh, the incoming blocks can be compared to. So it will include blocks that were recently written to SSDs. So in the course of a, a between the data coming in and when we have to do a CP, we can go out to the um, SSDs. If we have a match in the in the hash store that's in memory, we can go out and read the data from the SSD, do a, block, a byte for byte compare um, to verify that uh, that we don't have a a hash mis mis mismatch, hash collision, um, and then. Uh, dedupe the data and, and write it to SSD, all in that um, short space of time. So um, that works well with SSDs. It probably doesn't work as well if, if you wanted to try and use this on a FAS system with HDDs because the response time from the HDDs is so much slower. So is this something that applies only to AFF or will it work with flash pool, flash cache, right, hybrid systems? I wouldn't rec you got to be very careful about using inline dedupe with any system that's got uh, HDDs in it or, or any aggregates that have HDDs in them, including flash pool aggregates. Um, all SSD aggers on a FAS system, if somebody had that, um, I think it would be uh, reasonable uh, to try it out.
So, so real quick, can can you cover uh, a Dan specifically since you're the AFF team? Can you cover the difference between AFF and an all flash uh, uh, aggregate on a traditional FAS? Sure. So mechanically, it's all the same. So it, it is the same hardware. Uh, it's the same SSDs. It's the same cables. Everything. Same the, software. <laughs> yeah, and and it's the very same versions of Data on Tap. Um, the big delta in with in how these systems look after you've uh, booted them, uh, when ONTAP loads on an AFF system, there are a lot of things that it doesn't load. So there are a lot of drivers, uh, settings, et cetera, that are targeted for uh, SATA drives or 10K drives um, that are just not included. So the ONTAP is a, it's a streamlined version of ONTAP that loads uh, when it boots on an, on an AFF. Now, in terms of, you know, where the meat and potatoes are, it's for SPC one. We've done some testing, and it it's about a ten percent delta in latency. Uh, what that really relates to is about a hundred microseconds of latency, um, additional on the FAS with with only SSDs. Most workloads, you're probably not going to notice a, a huge difference, uh, but you know, for those those applications that are latency sensitive, you know, you'll be able to tell the difference. We can get more consistent performance uh, with the AFF settings as, as well. There's some um, coalescing uh, that's okay to do with hard drive systems that we uh, disable um, in AFF because it just adds latency. And so we can do things, and because of the faster media, we can do things real time. Um, and uh, I think maybe Dan was going to touch on it. There's there's a bunch of storage efficiency settings that are on by default because yeah. they yeah, just that's, work that's with the SSDs. Other, yeah, that's the <laughs> other big thing is uh, the AFF system is going to be much simpler because a lot of all of these efficiency things are set up by default. Um, on, an, on a FAS system, you're going, you know, an administrator is going to have to make a decision to configure the storage efficiency policy to enable that feature. Whereas on an AFF, um, ONTAP is going to automatically as assign the, those efficiency policies to any new volumes that are created. So let's expand a little bit on the simplicity piece. So we have the on by default compaction, inline deduplication options. Um, we also have the factory set configurations coming out. So you have like um, a cluster data ONTAP system, or same, I'm sorry, ONTAP 9 system. That has been pre-configured with the OS, has been already co configured with some some lifts on it to get you started. So there's no more of this initial setup stuff. In addition to that, we also have a new uh, templating feature in ONTAP 9. So could you guys expand a little bit on the uh, AFS simplicity templates? Sure. So, well, the application provisioning templates are are included in uh, within System Manager in ONTAP 9. Uh, there are... Uh, pre-configured templates that are uh, aligned with best practices as defined by both uh, NetApp application experts and uh, and the application vendors. Uh, the, you know, this is the best practices for storage provisioning. How many LUNs do you need and you know, what do you need for logs, etc. All on a single page uh, so that uh, an administrator that needs to provision storage uh, can you know, very simply just fill out uh, how many how many LUNs they would need for each respective application need, be it logs or uh, tempdb or or database files, along with naming, you know, creating names, uh, mapping the hosts to the uh, I groups, creating an I group, mapping the 
uh, worldwide port port names to it. Um, basically, everything that you know in previous versions of System Manager, each little thing would require, uh, you know, six or seven different screens for every LUN you created, uh, and if you're doing you know tens of LUNs, you know that could be a rather tedious process. So, uh, so everything is is assembled onto a single page. Um, there are templates available for uh, for Oracle, for Oracle Rack, for SQL Server, uh, as well as for uh, virtual infrastructure and uh, virtual desktops. So it's basically it's an initial setup uh, template to allow you to automate the task that you normally would have to just click around in an endless loop. Yeah, it just it, now the administrator still have still has to decide like what does he want to name, what does he want to name the the LUNs or the the volumes, but uh, they don't have to create a volume, then create a LUN, then uh, create an I group, then map the LUN to the I group, uh, then you know add the uh, worldwide port names to the I group. You know these are all things that uh, are all handled through that single page of inputs. Yeah, and this this is great simplification for customers setting up new clusters, and that's really what it's in, intended for. This. Uh, it doesn't apply if you're adding an AFF HA pair to existing cluster, but for a brand new cluster, um, this is really streamlines things. And I can, Dan, I think we're down to well, the application uh, after, after power on to serving data is like ten minutes. Ten or less. minutes, yeah, yeah. The application provisioning is actually available uh, post install. So any any server that you upgrade to ONTAP nine, uh, any AFF cluster would would have those uh, templates available. Um, that's really a post uh, setup uh, option. So you know you're provisioning after you have the system set up and the cluster created and all your network uh, created. Um, there are a lot of decisions that an administrator would have to make during setup uh, when they're building the system. And what we've done with the uh, SAN optimized and NAS optimized uh, configurations is when your uh, SE or partner orders the system, they can check a box that says it's either SAN or NAS optimized, and we will take care at the factory. We will take care of configuring, uh, building out the cluster, uh, configuring the aggregates, uh, configuring the <clears throat> the SVMs, configuring the lifts, um, you know, doing a lot of the uh, hard work that everybody has to do, uh, that we know you have to do, uh, but just taking care of that for you so that uh, your out-of-box out box experience is much more streamlined. Yeah, I, I think that's important to point out, right? It's it's two separate phases, so to speak, yeah. right? One, one is getting it from the factory ready to turn on and start serving data, right? You might have to change IP addresses or, or credentials or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is a usability enhancement, right, around simplifying around making the process of provisioning volumes, be they for NAS or be they for SAN purposes, down to basically a handful of steps. And making that, you know, all of the default best practices are already there. You don't mm -hmm. have to go through and set them afterwards. You know, I, I remember I participated in the, uh, the VMware side of things, right? And it's all the things that we publish in the VMware best practices already set, right? Click the button, tell it how many volumes you want, how big you want them to be, 
click the button to go, and you're done. Right. Yep. It, it takes two to three minutes to provision hundreds of volumes if that's how many you put in. Yep. So so usability is one thing, right? Uh, and I, I, for one, and I know I'm not the only one on this podcast, am exceptionally happy to see that we are making great strides in usability. And uh, I, I know because I literally sit right next to Chris Gebhardt and he and I have been working on you know, th- those templates and that stuff together, right? I know that this is just the first step yep. in a journey that is going to be coming over the next releases of ONTAP. And there's a lot of really cool stuff that's in the pipeline. Uh, I'm super excited about it. So I, I want to jump back. Uh, so at the beginning of the podcast, you were listening some of the, listing some of the changes that, were, that happened in ONTAP 9, uh, Skip. And one of the things that you brought up that I think is really, really interesting is performance consistency. And you specifically brought up deletes, right? Today, or, or I should say previous to ONTAP 9, we knew that there was, if you, if you delete a large amount of information, that there's a process uh, that runs in the background that goes through and actually frees those blocks. So ONTAP 9, I know, has had some pretty significant uh, improvements in that area. Can you elaborate? I don't have a whole lot of details, but I have seen data, and actually we presented uh, uh, some of this data in the uh, April SIW on, on ONTAP 9, which showed that uh, the impact, on, uh, the, the data is from an AFF system running an OLTP-type workload um, and showed performance, um, just normal performance and snapshots are being taken, and then uh, what happened to performance when three snapshots on each on 64 volumes were being deleted simultaneously and compared eight three two or eight three one to on tap nine um, and uh, we, we cut the spikes in in um, latency increase uh, in half so maybe your baseline whereas before the baseline was maybe around a millisecond you could spike to three or four milliseconds with all that snapshot deletion activity going on um, and now the baseline overall was reduced below a millisecond and kept very tight and then you maybe would see a spike to a millisecond and a half or maybe two milliseconds uh, at worst case. So um, I think the, the, the better balancing uh, between uh, ONTAP and, and its scheduling of uh, doing the housekeeping activities that have to do with uh, deleting large numbers of snapshots or files or lines simultaneously uh, while maintaining um, the front end uh, workload performance performance. Uh, it's, it's an ongoing activity now, now in ONTAP, very focused on predictable and consistent performance. Um, there are other aspects in ONTAP 9 that help uh, with that as well. Um, um, some of you may have heard of uh, per-aggregate uh, CPs. Uh, so instead of a CP containing rights to all the different types of aggregates might be behind a FAS system, um, now it uh, segregates those, so a slow responding aggregate doesn't hold up um, responses from the other aggregates, uh, which is pretty good. That's not an AFF-specific thing. It really uh, wouldn't have a whole lot of benefit for AFF in general, but it does help a lot with FAS systems. And then one more thing that's in the release that's also pretty useful, and actually it's it's part of ONTAP 9, and it's also um, uh, involves uh, on-command performance manager, is uh, something called performance uh, capacity utilization, or you may have heard of it as headroom. And that enables um, admins to, to have the visibility of how much uh, performance uh, a node or an aggregate uh, is consuming 
uh, relative to what its maximum is to provide uh, still optimal performance uh, before they provision new workloads. So they can they can look at that and say, yeah, this aggregate can take another workload and my performance is still going to be okay. Whereas prior to ONTAP 9, that was a guessing game or involved trying to read the tea leaves from SysStats and, uh, and, uh, and other uh, statistics to try and figure that out. So, so Skip, I know that was a that was a, a pretty good uh, monologue you had going on there. So I hate to really interrupt you, but uh, I, I do want to point out uh, that you know the metadata operations that uh, we're associating with deletes are not just a performance improvement for deletes. It's for all metadata operations. So, for example, creating clones is now much much faster, uh, and, and all of those other equivalent operations. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's 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 correct. So. Um, and I think that's you'll see more improvements. I think going forward as well, because this is this is a, a big initiative here. Is we we really like the performance from an application standpoint to not be aware of anything else that's going on on, on the system. So things like enhancing QoS and assuring uh, that system operations don't perturb your uh, front end application performance is, is all um, good stuff. In that yes, Sully, you sit next to the good doctor desktop. Uh, do you do you happen to know if if those uh, improvements have have uh, helped the uh, provisioning for uh, desktops? Oh yeah, it, it speeds up clones significantly. Um, so I've been doing testing with a lot of other things in my realm as well, and uh, it, it makes a uh, containers. Yeah, it, it it makes a pretty big difference. Um, so Skip, you mentioned something pretty interesting that I have not heard before, and that's that we are doing per aggregate CPs. And does this mean that we are changing the previous recommendations where things like if you have a shelf of SSDs connected to the same controller as a shelf or shelves of disks that you should not put them in the same loop? Or uh, I guess it's no longer a loop anymore. Is well, it? just attached to the same controller. Yeah. So are those changing? Is Does this have any sort of benefits if I have a hybrid system? Yes. With ONTAP 9, um, the previous recommendation where we said, particularly if you had uh, capacity drives, 7,200 RPM drives and 10,000 RPM drives, best practice for performance would be if you have them on the same HA pair to segregate them on different nodes. Uh, because on tap in particular with write operations uh, would, uh, would treat writes differently when there were um, capacity drives owned by the, by the controller. Um, we no longer need to apply that um, restriction with ONTAP 9 and the per-agger CPs. So it helps isolate the performance of one aggregate uh, from uh, other aggregates on the, on the same node. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy about that because I actually was part of the group that was uh, that submitted that the BERT for that uh, low these many years ago. So I will finally stop getting emails. Lucky you. I wish I could stop getting so many emails. I, I'm sorry to hear that your inbox is not being as flooded as before, Dan. I'm sure that we can arrange for you to get some more emails if you would like. Dan.Isaacs at netapp.com. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, sure. No, that doesn't work. No. So does this mean that we are partitioning NVRAM? Does, does each aggregate get its own section of NVRAM or of memory for doing CPs? Or is it still kind of a, a shared but multiplex space? Do you, do you have any details on how that works? Uh, I don't. I don't think we're we're hard partitioning NVRAM. I think we're just Untap is able to keep track of um, certainly knows which uh, IOs are destined to which aggregate, and it's just 
uh, treating them, them differently uh, in that regard. So we can effectively have different CPs for different, different aggers. They don't have to be coordinated. Okay, gotcha. That's that's very cool. That's cool. I I am glad to have learned, if nothing else, that particular fact today, because that can make a huge difference. Because, you know, despite the fact that All Flash is a uh, a huge and growing market for us, uh, we still sell an awful lot of disk and hybrid systems, and uh, that's that's important. It's also it's great for the the hybrid systems that you talk about because if you have a Flash workload and a spinning disk workload, and your spinning disk workload is the one holding back the flash workload, you're going to be angry because you spent a lot of money on your flash and you want to be able to use it. Now this is a way to get around that. Oh, yeah. This 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 was a problem back when we just had a mix of 10K drives and SATA drives before flash was even a thing. Um, you know, I, think I don't back, remember this time. What are you talking about? Well, this was way back in, in the aughts. In the aughts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a lot of problems with the... You know, people would have uh, Microsoft Exchange running on the same system that they would have their SIFS uh, home directories, uh, and they would have the 10K drives for their Exchange Exchange files and uh, SIFS stuff on the SATA drives, and you know they would see you know these huge you know 14 millisecond latencies, uh, email being significantly slowed down uh, as, as a result of this particular problem. Yeah, that's probably the coolest thing I've gotten out of this. I mean, we've we've known about the other stuff, right? But this is all new fun fact. It's all fun facts. Fun facts. So, Skip, I hear that we're doing uh, advanced disk partitioning or ADP a little differently than we used to do it. How how are we changing that in ONTAP nine? Uh, so, we've got a, a new way of uh, partitioning. So, just to um, refresh everybody's memory, with uh, AFF systems by default and. Um, what we do is partition up to 48 drives in an HA pair for root aggregates, for the two root aggregates, and that leaves over data partitions. Uh, that works really well if you've got sort of two shelves because you get very, very good efficiency and you've got plenty of data partitions. But it's um, it leaves a little bit to be desired, um, better than the alternative of not doing partitioning, but a little bit desired if you've got 24 or even 12 drives. And now with 15 terabyte drives um, available with ONTAP 9, we've got customers who want to start with only 12 drives because after all, that's over 100 terabytes of usable capacity. So what we do with um, ADP and ONTAP 9 is um, instead of there being a root partition and a data partition per drive, we have two data partitions and a root partition per drive. And, and you know, the data partition when, again, when you have 24 drives or 12 drives, we're assigning one data partition per SSD to one node and the second one to the other node. So the two nodes share um, an SSD uh, in that fashion for the data partitions. So we get 17% more usable capacity. If it's a 24-drive um, system, it's closer to 50% more usable capacity in a 12-drive uh, sh- uh, system. Um, and above 24 drives, it's the same usable capacity, so no advantage. So for small um, systems, 24 or, or 12 drives, um, we get a boost in um, storage efficiency and a little bit of a boost in performance as well because we get more SSDs working as data drives and fewer consumed for parity. Yeah, if you can, if you can imagine in a 12-drive configuration, um, Previously, only half of those drives would be serving the I/O for an entire controller. So, 
while you can get a lot of IOs out of six SSDs, you can't max out an 8080 on that. Uh, so what this also allows you to do is uh, each controller gets the full performance benefit of all the SSDs. And you know, with the 15.3 terabyte drives, you know, those smaller drive configurations are going to be much more prevalent. Uh, moving forward, you know, we're about a calendar year away from having uh, 30 plus terabyte drives. So, and then you know, 60 plus terabyte drives uh, in 2018. So, uh, you know, we're moving towards a uh, towards a, an environment where uh, you may only see a single shelf of drives attached to a attached to a storage array. Yeah, the Dan brings up a good point. The prospects for capacity increases, um, doubling in particular, on SSDs are are pretty high compared to hard drives where you know they've been struggling to add incremental capacity gains. I mean, we just we introduced 10 terabyte drives I think last fall, and we'll have 12 terabyte, um, 7200 RPM drives uh, coming out later later this month. Um, meanwhile, we went from 3.8 terabytes to 15 terabytes, a 4x increase in less than a year on SSDs. Now, uh, quadrupling is, is not going to be common going forward, but we do see doubling happening, you know, probably every 12 to 18 months on SSDs, and we're already at capacities that are kind of unheard of in the hard drive realm, right? 15 terabytes now and looking at 30 terabytes sometime next year. Yeah, I mean, storage efficiency is already sort of pushing, you know, forcing our hand in that regard. You know, th with the 16 terabyte drives or 15.3 terabyte drives and the, uh, you know, the four to one effective capacity guarantee, you know, what's what's the number we're using? I think 1.4 petabytes in a 2U shelf or something like that. Something like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're already at that point where, you know, a single shelf of disk can service the vast majority of customers' needs. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of capacity. It's kind of funny as a storage company, you know, we're working on more and more ways to sell less storage. By Always have, do. man. It's been <laughs> NetApp's thing since the very beginning. Yeah, I, I still remember in, uh, what is it, 2007, uh, you know, everybody making fun of us for, for having inline, or not inline duplication, but for having deduplication, for a actually advocating storage efficiency. Why would you want to do that? Because people want it. Yeah. It's the value of the software. All right, so I know this show is all about Flash, but let's let's go back in time um, to the days of spinning disk, where the dinosaurs roamed. You know, oh, do we have bigger spinning disks than what we already have? Or is there anything new coming out in that horizon? Yeah, we've got uh, twelve terabyte or ten terabyte drives coming out uh, in this month uh, as well in the the new twelve gigabit uh, shelves, and those are also the shelves that will be. Uh, supporting the 15 uh, terabyte uh, drives. So these are 12 terabyte or 10 terabyte SAS drives. Uh, well, they're nearline SAS. They're so they're 7200 RPM drives. We're Ooh. close to the end of the line of 10,000 RPM drives. So the biggest drive we've got today is 1.8 terabytes. I think there are 2.4 terabyte capacity 10k RPM drives on drive manufacturers roadmaps. Big question is, will anybody want to buy them? So, so let me let me clarify real quick because there's a lot of tens, yeah, a lot and of numbers there, and fifteen thrown out. So, we're adding ten terabyte spinning drives, fifteen terabyte SSD drives with twelve gigabit SAS shelves. Correct? Yes, that's correct. And seventy two hundred RPM, right? For the for the 
The 10 terabyte drives, that's right. Yes, not the, not the SSDs, because that makes no sense. Yeah, they don't have RPM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so what's what's the new uh, naming? What's what's the, the name oh, so of the, the new shelf? Yeah, the new shelf is, uh, well, the I.O. module that goes in the back of the shelf is the I.O.M. 12. Uh, the shelf is uh, DS224C. Uh, that is a 2U24 drive, and C is hexadecimal for 12, 12 gig SAS. How clever. Yes, yeah, so, some, somebody received an early Christmas bonus for, for that. Yes, yeah, simplicity <laughs> in the form of hexadecimal. There we go. Yeah, about that. So they, they, that shelf in particular is for two and a half inch form factor drives, so it fits the SSDs and it fits the 10K RPM drives. The, the um, 10 terabyte three and a half inch drives are, are three and a half inch drives, so they fit in a, a different uh, shelf. Um, I think, uh, you know, we probably need to check on this, Dan, because I, I live in the oh, flash it's, world. It's the, it's the, uh, the 4U48 drive uh, shelf. 4486? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but that's not a, that's not a, 12 gigabit uh, per second uh, um, drive, although I think the IOM 12 uh, will fit in it. When when are we getting the Zoolander phone of storage, like just the little tiny, tiny, tiny storage systems where you can fit them in the palm of your hand? Uh, That's not until... That's called your phone. Later this year. (laughs) We'll talk more about that at Insight. Okay, cool. (laughs) Justin, are you trying to get like a whole shelf of micro SD cards? Yes! (laughs) You're ridiculously, ridiculously good-looking, Andrew. Now I know you're already drinking, and it's only like, <laughs> you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I've been in the studio a long time with these guys. There are M2 um, SSDs out there. Um, those, are, those are quite small. All right, Skip, Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, again, uh, Skip Shapiro, our Flash... Uh, star TME. I guess you're like just Flash everything, right, Skip? Yeah, I'm I'm Mr. Flash. Mr. Flash. And Dan Isaacs, the AFF TME. Dan, once again, your Twitter handle? At Dan Isaacs. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for stopping by and, and helping us out with the discussion about ONTAP 9 and Flash. Is Skip, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, could they email you? Uh, they certainly can email me. Will you respond? I do respond. The, the field is very happy. Uh, with the responses I get from you. Maybe I respond too quickly. <laughs> Will the response be much longer than the ones you already send out in detail? <laughs> if you want a shorter response, please ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the TLDR. It's uh, skip.shapiro at netapp.com. All right. If you want to get in touch with Skip since it doesn't have the Twitters, or you can find him on Facebook. I'm sure he's out there somewhere in some sailboat. <laughs> LinkedIn. Snail yeah, there you go. Yeah. Pony Express. Now you're pushing it, Justin. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> oh, Skip, do you print Smoke out the signal. emails? Do you print out the emails before you respond to them? I'll send them over on a floppy disk. Skip, you are. Skip, you are way too kind, man. I wouldn't have taken for the past hour. <laughs> yeah, I would have exploded on those. Don't take a this. Long time don't take ago. this from us, man. You should totally it's just. What he's doing is he's snappers. <laughs> he's secretly plotting his revenge. Is what he's doing. We'll all be getting emails soon from from Skip hanging out on his sailboat in the middle of the day. Yeah. Hey, guys, you having fun at work? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be a text message filled with emojis, guys. <laughs> Excellent. Like eggplant, eggplant, squirt, squirt. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, that music means it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, Skip Shapiro and Dan Isaacs, thanks for listening. Guys, you did great. Very flashy. Thank you, Justin. Oh, yeah. Thank you for not flashing us. Yes, thank you so much. I, I meant to wear my raincoat and nothing else. Well, who I, says you I didn't? Wore my, I wore my the flash suit. Did you? Did you wear your sailor hat? Is it hat? just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. No comment. Okay, I guess he did. Uh, take care, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, thanks, guys.